Psalm 130. If you have ever cried unto the Lord for mercy and forgiveness, then you'll understand this psalm. Amen. There's plenty of mercy and forgiveness with the Lord. Right. Let us all rise together and read Psalm 130 in unison. Together. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Out of the depths, have you ever felt like you were drowning? Out of the depths, have I cried unto thee, O Lord. The psalmist was often put in the predicament of death. He often thought that God had forsaken him. His enemies were about to overwhelm him. His soul within him was near despair. And out of those depths, he cried, Unto the Lord. And here are his words in the second verse. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. When you supplicate someone, you beg them. You entreat them. You ask for their mercy and your favor. And the psalmist did that and God heard that entreating. And delivered him over and over again from his enemies. And forgave him over and over again of his sins. When we cry into the Lord out of the depths, we know that there is a certain nature about the God that we worship. And that nature is in verse 3. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? If God were to charge even one of our sins against us and hold us accountable for that sin, the weight of that transgression against an infinite God would sink our souls into the deepest hell. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, if you take record and hold an iniquity against me, and don't give me a buffer of mercy, and do not give me hope in a substitute, it would sink my soul to hell. Who can stand in the sight of a holy and infinite God with sin against your account? Not one. Not one. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? And sometimes our depths that we are in, the drowning, is not because we have enemies trying to bury us. We have our sins burying us. And out of those depths we cry, knowing that God is a great and dreadful God. And that if He were to hold those sins against us, we cannot stand. 
So we have the fourth verse. But, be thankful for that disjunctive conjunction that sets verse 4 in adversity against verse 3. It contradicts verse 3 by telling us there is deliverance, though there is a God, that if He were to mark iniquities, we could not stand before Him. But, there is forgiveness with Thee. Praise the Lord. Bless His holy name this morning. There is forgiveness with the Lord. And if you cry out of the depths of your sins, He is able and He is willing to forgive you your sins. There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. We have explained this verse before, but it is probably helpful for you to hear it again. It doesn't sound right. If there's forgiveness with God, why would we fear Him? Well, if you take verses 3 and 4 together, there's an obvious reason to fear Him. Because He's a God that doesn't have to forgive. He's a God that if He marked iniquities, we couldn't stand. But the real explanation is in the word fear. It is pitiful that today, hardly anyone understands what the words, the fear of the Lord, mean. It is pitiful. I get emails from people saying, and one this very week, someone loves our website, gave it to their sister, but their sister doesn't like our website because we speak about the fear of the Lord. And they say to themselves, I don't want to fear the Lord. You know, they think that God is just a big sugar daddy in the sky. He's a big clown with cotton candy for his little kitties. But that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is to be feared. And it's because they don't understand the two words, the two kinds of fear. There is a fear that we do not want to fear God. And that's the fear that causes us to run away from Him. That causes us to believe there is no way we could ever please Him. The fear that just is in dread, terror, a dysfunctional pain before God. Adam and Eve had such kind of a fear. They ran and hid in the trees of the garden. Judas went and hung himself. I mean, that's just a devilish fear. A holy fear of God is a respect and reverence for Him and a desire to please Him. A holy fear of God runs toward the Lord, not away from Him. And so they do not understand this word fear. Fear is a good thing when it's fearing the Lord in a way of reverencing Him and wanting to please Him. But listen, our generation doesn't know how to fear anyone. Children no longer fear their parents outside this church. They make fun of their parents. They mock them. I hear about it every day from my poor daughter who has to work in the world and comes home with a social studies 101 lesson for the family. As we talk about mothers at work where she is, complaining about the difficulty of training their two-year-old with words and descriptions like this. The last time I tried to spank little Johnny, he jumped up and beat me. And as, the, as my daughter tells me the story, her face is white, knowing what would happen to little Johnny if Daddy was there. She says, women complain, I don't dare discipline my child. The last time I tried it, they bit me. They know nothing about fear. 
You know, instead of fearing a centurion planted in our city, our people today make gestures to the policeman behind his back. Instead of fearing a king, they make jokes about our president. There is no fear at any level of authority. But the God of the Bible is to be feared. Because if He were to mark transgressions against you, you cannot stand. He would sink your soul into hell. He has the sovereign power to do it. And He has the will to do it. Because He hates all iniquity. But there is forgiveness with Him that He may be feared. And this fear is a holy fear of reverentially wanting to please Him and hating anything that would displease Him. The psalmist goes on to say in verse 5, I wait for the Lord. He's in the depths. He's crying for deliverance. He knows the Lord couldn't crush him for his sins, but he knows there's forgiveness there. And he says, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Now there is hope with the God of the Bible. There is hope with the Lord that I tell you about this morning. And there is hope because there is mercy. And that is explained to us in verse 7 where it says, Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. Mercy is what gives us hope with God. If there was no mercy and there was just justice, if there was no mercy and there was just holiness, we could not stand and there would be no hope. But there is plenty of hope because our God is merciful. He is the embodiment of mercy and truth, kissed and met together in Him. And so we have both. And with Him is plenteous redemption. Verse 7 tells us, Therefore, the psalmist in verse 5 could say, I wait. I wait for the Lord. I know the Lord will forgive me and deliver me, even from sins that are my fault. I wait for the Lord. Verse 6 describes that eager, desperate waiting as a guard or an army waits for the morning light to be able to see their enemy. This is before night vision goggles, okay? And thermal detection devices. This is when you wanted morning light to be able to see and protect yourself and your city. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. This is the psalmist crying out of the depths of his guilt, hoping in the Lord, And waiting for that deliverance and forgiveness and redemption more than someone might wait for the morning. And he explains, as we've already used, verse 7, that there is much mercy and plenteous redemption with the Lord. And verse 8 tells us, He shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. There is plenty of forgiveness with the Lord. And therefore, there is hope in the Lord. Today, this morning, we want to consider the mercy and the forgiveness of God again. I preached it to you two weeks ago, the forgiveness of sin. This morning, I want to preach more forgiveness of sin. I want you to revel in how much God has forgiven you and hope in His mercy and redemption. And let that forgiveness that He has showered upon you turn to govern your conduct with everyone else in here and everyone else out of here by forgiving and overlooking their transgressions against you the same way He overlooks and forgives and redeems you from your transgressions against Him. May the Lord bless us to do that. You can hope and wait in the Lord because there is mercy 
and not a little redemption, plenteous redemption. May the Lord have mercy upon us and cause us to bask in that redemption and show it toward everyone that we relate to in this life. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen.